He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and I want to welcome back, especially uh, at this time of year, what a treasure it is to have uh, Elvira, uh, Cassandra Peterson, here with us. And I, I've said often, even when she's not on the show, one of the best celebrity bios that I've ever read in my life is yours, Cruelly, Elvira, Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark, and, and just absolutely uh, uh, terrific. And we were just talking about it the other day or last week, and, uh, and I got so many uh, different calls, and they said, why didn't you ask her this? Why didn't you ask her that? And uh, <laughs> some, somebody asked about Jimi Hendrix and, uh, you know, all, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of different people that she met over the thing. And it's, it's a short period of time, so it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to get everything in. Hopefully we'll get a little more of that in. Now, uh, Cassandra, thrilled to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the nice uh, comments there. Yeah, well, listen, it's it, it's true when uh, when I say and I, I was talking about uh, about you the other day in a whole uh, kind of a group of people. I, you know, it's it, it's you're like the Santa Claus of of uh, Halloween, and I say that with the greatest respect in the world. I mean, who creates that? I mean, where does that? I, you know, where does that come from? And and if you think about it, uh, long after you and I are gone, a hundred years from now, something tells me Elvira is still going to be a, a an icon, and uh, and you created this. And I, do you have any Thank kind you. of secession plan? Is there is there any thoughts of what Elvira will be like fifty years from now, a hundred years from now? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, I I do think you're right. Um, I mean, I wasn't sure for many years, but now I really feel like the character is so kind of um, synonymous with the holiday of Halloween that I think even when I'm not playing Elvira and when I'm not around, I do think Elvira will continue because I hate to lay this on you, but there's no real Santa Claus. Um, and he still comes around every Christmas, right? Yeah. Um, so, so you know, I, I do think that it's cemented enough in the kind of conscience, you know, of... Uh, of Americans that that Elvira will be uh, around even after I'm gone. So, cross my fingers. I don't know what good that'll do me, but maybe it'll uh, do some good to my uh, kids. No, are you kidding? It's I I, I think it's great to create something that's going to be on, uh, be living beyond us and well beyond. I mean, it's like uh, you know Charles Dickens. I mean, you know, and I'm not <laughs> comparing the two, right? But Charles Dickens. Look at how many people are reading his books. Mark Twain reading his books. Uh, but characters, I mean, characters go on yeah. for a long time. I mean, Frank, Mary Shelley, uh, look look at what she did. She created this character and, and was still getting different versions, funny versions, bastardized versions, whatever it is, it's, yeah. it's great. But let me that, jump. That, yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of the secret, a character, not a real person, not an actor. Like, you know, if you pick out any actor, they won't go on forever. But a character certainly can. You know, yeah. just like you said, um, Frankenstein and Dracula are still around and probably will be forever. Yeah, it just yeah, just absolutely terrific. Uh, l let's get into the book uh, a little bit. I love it. And I, I tell everybody I've given so many of them out as presents oh, uh, thank to, you. to different people. I love it. And uh, some of the some of the things that you, you wrote about, I thought you were very honest. Uh, what was the hardest thing you had to put in writing or was any of it hard did you just kind of open up i imagine some of those things were tough to talk about they were and i had to record the audio book and i have to say um 
there were uh, one of the moments that I had real, real trouble with was the part about um, all of my friends, so many of my friends dying during the AIDS epidemic. And, um, you know, people <laughs> people talk about um, how it is right now with the pandemic. But, boy, back then, when somebody got AIDS, they were gone within a couple weeks. Um, so uh, I had so, so many friends that I worked with and and just, you know, lived with and everything else who got AIDS and died. And when I had to record that part in the audio book, I could not get through it. I just started sobbing and um, I'd run into the bathroom and get myself together, come back, start recording it and break down again. And it took me, um, we had to add a couple more days on the recording session because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get through it. I finally, finally did. But that was one of the hardest, hardest things to talk about. There were a lot of difficult things to talk about in there, but that, that was probably the worst. You know, the thing with AIDS and HIV, uh, they did a great job on uh, on the medicine. And I think when when Magic Johnson uh, uh, announced that uh, he was HIV positive, it changed the yeah. whole idea towards it. And uh, and the fact yeah. that he's alive and, and well and he looks he looks like he could play in the NBA, you know, practically um, it yeah. is a great thing. The only thing is that that people are still suffering and especially in different different areas of the world are still suffering from HIV and, and AIDS. And, and somehow it's gotten, uh, it's, it's been forgotten in many uh, circles. Yeah, so it has. I'm glad you bring it up. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's scary because young, young um, people don't know about the uh, enormity of the situation back then. They don't really understand uh, how bad it was. And I and unfortunately think they've forgotten or didn't know. And, um, and they don't really take care of themselves the way they should in order to prevent uh, getting it. So, yeah, I, uh, that's kind of an important thing to bring up because uh, we want these people to stay healthy, you know. Let me ask you about the, book, the response that you may have gotten from uh, from friends or, or just associates. Uh, did you get anybody uh, like shooting back at you saying, hey, why did you tell that story? I didn't want that. Or did you have anybody say, why didn't you include this story uh, on both ends? Uh, did you did you get uh, any feedback from people you knew? Yeah, I, I <clears throat> unfortunately, you know, I had a very difficult relationship with my mother. And um, it wasn't like my mother was a monster. She had many, many friends and people who loved her because she had a really good side. Um, she just didn't have the greatest side when it came to raising kids. Um, so I unfortunately turned off a lot of uh, my relatives and a lot of uh, family friends who didn't want to hear negative things about my mother, you know. Um, I wish I didn't have negative things to report about my mother. It's sad. Um but but I did, and that kind of damaged some relationships, you know. But uh, I just had to get it all out of there. I, you know, I had to tell the truth. I I, I couldn't just soft pedal that whole um, situation and relationship, you know. You know, I was kind of thinking about that before, because I, I know the book well. Uh, I, you know, I think it took a lot of courage. Uh, you know, how you how you approach that. How can you really write an honest book and an open book without, um, without being completely honest about everything? So uh, I, I give you a lot yeah. of credit. Terrific job on it. Thank you. I've read too many more. I'm, I'm a big, big reader of uh, autobiographies, and I've read too many 
where people don't tell the details that you really want to know. And it's really it's so boring. And I, I just didn't want to do that. I, I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. If I'm not going to do it, then just don't do it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, I did spill the beans about everything. Cassandra Peterson, give us your website or social media site where we could follow along with everything you're doing. Yeah, fantastic. Um, it's Elvira.com. If you go there, you can uh, find down at the bottom all my different social media sites. But I'm on uh, all the usual suspects there, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and um, Twitter at The Real Elvira. Uh, Cassandra, thank you once again for being here. Congrats on everything and happy Halloween. Thank you, Frank. Great to talk to you. And you have a great Halloween, too. Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, has been with us once again, Mistress of the Dark. And, you know, we we have her a lot, and uh, she's got a lot to say. And uh, terrific best-selling book. And, yeah, I mean, she, you know, she gets into it. She, uh, you know, she's very honest and very uh, open about uh, her relationship with her mother. And, uh, and and a lot of things, you know, and, and she gets into, uh, you know, she gets into uh, areas where a lot of people, uh, I, th- I think, avoid because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the uh, the negative feedback or whatever, especially from family members. Um, you know, a lot of times you write a bio and somebody will be like, I can't believe you told that story. I've never ri- I've written eight books, but I I've never written a bio. And, you know, I got to, uh, I don't want to read my bio, right? but the thing is, I, I got to believe that it's, it would be a cathartic uh, or painful experience. And everyone uh, usually says one or the other, uh, or it's, uh, it's an easing or it's a, um, um, like a bloodletting or some type of thing, you know, freeing, you know, you're, you're making yourself clear or something along those lines, but when uh, when you write a bio, I mean, you're, you're gonna you're gonna if you're being honest about it, you're gonna ruffle some feathers, that's for sure. And you got to weigh that out. Um, Frank McKay here once again. Cassandra Peterson uh, has been with us uh, quite a bit, but thrilled to have her every time we we get an opportunity. Um, name of her book once again. It's in paperback now. Yours cruelly, Elvira: Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. Best-selling book, national bestseller. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. And uh, I'll tell you what, CNN this morning is upon us. Uh, tomorrow, you could start watching, and so many people... Uh, have been have been waiting. It seems like a long time, but uh, people have been talking about this since uh, really September, and it's uh, it's coming up. And the lineup is uh, is impressive, and uh, Poppy Hollow and Caitlin Collins, but of course Don Lemon is uh, is, is well. I, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say he's the name everyone's everyone's going to know. They're going to know all those people. Uh, Caitlin's a little younger than the other two guys, but younger than all of us. Let's face it. But she's uh, she's terrific. It's going to be a wonderful show, and uh, let me, without further ado, introduce CNN anchor Don Lemon. Don, how are you? I'm doing very well. Actually, you just gave me a reality check when you said it starts tomorrow, because I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. We've been rehearsing and prepping for the show, and, and now, yeah, it is, it is a bonus. And yeah, people will know my name. It's good. I hope, I hope they do. I hope they tune in to watch. 
because of me. And, of course, my co-anchors as well. Yeah, yeah but l- listen, you've, you've put together a, a very impressive career. You've done uh, so many different shows. You've been guest on these, uh, all these different shows. You've had ups and downs like, uh, like everybody. Uh, is, it, is it exciting starting something new is it just uh is it routine after a while what is uh what what's your emotion going into tomorrow it's a you know it's a brand new day um yes is it exciting of course it's exciting um but you know honestly it's quite interesting because um it's a little bit odd i tell people that i find myself when the cameras go on, when I would sit at the desk at night at 10 o'clock, I felt more at home and more comfortable than, than I did in real life um, and in my own living room. Um, and so, you know, when, when the cameras go on tomorrow morning, I think I'll feel that same degree of comfort. But there'll be that, it'll be that little bit of, like, anxiety and nervous per- nervousness, perhaps, and excitement to be able to sit there with two great people and get their perspectives. And it's not just me holding it down for two hours every night uh, and trying to, you know, get everything in that I want to get in or, you know, having to get to the commercial break and like, oh, this conversation is so great. I hate it. So it'll be other people helping me. I'll have two great people helping me. But I'm excited about the new format. I'm excited that um, I won't be in the nice fight of cable news every night and that that it'll be a, a little bit more of a palatable way um, to get people going in the morning rather than people beating up on each other at night. How about adjusting your, your personal clock? Uh, I, I imagine that changes, right? You get up uh, probably much earlier than you would have on the nighttime slot. Uh, is, is that an adjustment for you? Yeah, of course it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, but I find myself, you know, um, getting up earlier over the last couple of weeks because I have not been on the air. And so it, I think that, look, I'm a napper. Frank, but I nap during the day anyway. And, and it was interesting because I always felt like I was doing a show for the next day. So, you know, everyone would do their show on Monday, and I would always feel like, well, Monday's kind of off. I'm off on Mondays, really, because my show is at 10 o'clock at night. Right. And most people are getting ready to go to bed, or, you know, they don't get to see it. Then maybe they see clips that air of my show on the morning show. So this is going to be exciting because I get to have the first bite at the apple rather than the last bite at the apple. So that gives me some excitement and encouragement to wake up in the morning. Is it an adjustment? Yes. But I think I'll be able to do it. I haven't had to be at the top of my game at 6 in the morning and and, 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 and never. (laughs) I'm going to have to do it now. Don, as as a kid coming out of high school or or college, you know, take your pick, I – could you have anticipated what the next few years would have brought? Um, is this? Uh, did you exceed expectations? Is this basically where you thought you'd be? Because uh, you've put together, like I said, a, a very impressive career. Uh, it's it's hard. Uh, it would be hard to believe that you're disappointed with how this all turned out. No, I'm not disappointed. Listen, I always dreamed big when I was a kid. Um, but if you had told me this, I probably would not have believed it. Um, I think, you know, the, the saying is, is that God can dream a bigger dream for you than you can for yourself. And I think that has happened. But it's always interesting, Frank, when, when people ask. I don't think about that until people, um, listen, let me, let, me, let me restate that. I live in, in gratitude every single moment. And when, you know, I start to complain, I go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't have a reason to complain here. And so um, I think that 
I don't think about where I've come uh, or how far I've gone until I get a question like from people like you, right? And I think it's a very good question. So I'm very grateful for how far I've come. I never thought that I would make it this far, even though I dreamed big for myself. And But I, I am extremely happy with where I am in my career. I'm not complacent, but I'm, I'm happy. And, um, and, and we'll see what happens. You know, this has been what I've been doing this 25 or so years in this business. Let's see what the next 25 look like. You know, you, you don't, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not fair in a way, you don't look old enough to be at this for 25 years, but uh, that's that's a whole other subject. Do you, uh, do you have constants uh, in your, uh, or consistency in your staff? Is there anybody coming over from your last show uh, to work with you on this show? Um, yeah, well, I have my personal producer. I have some of the bookers coming over, and uh, but this is pretty much an all-new staff. The executive producer of the Don Lemon Tonight is is still doing the 10 p.m. hour, which is CNN Tonight, uh, because uh, listen, you, you need consistency. They need consistency there. So if they're getting new anchors, they need people who are familiar with the format. So my uh, executive producer and my senior producer are staying there. I have a great new executive producer who I've worked with uh, for a number of years. And then there is um, a, a new um, a producer who has come in to oversee the project in, from CBS, and that's Ryan Cadro. And, of course, we have our new boss who uh, helped to create Morning Joe and CBS this morning, and also um, Stephen Colbert. So we've got some good people helping us. And, by the way, I said 25 years. I've been in this business 30 years. Wow. I started in 1992. And so there you go. Well, listen. Congratulations, uh, not only on uh, CNN this morning, but uh, on on 30 years in, in a very competitive business. You got to be take a bow. Uh, you got to be uh, proud of uh, of of your longevity and uh, the the body of work you put together. Uh, what else do we need to know before we let you go? And uh, before we uh, uh, before you uh, jump off and go uh, go talk to someone else, can you give us a website or a social media site where we could follow along with what you're doing? I think you look. You can look for my social media. It's Don Lemon on uh, Twitter. It's Don Lemon CNN on Instagram, uh, and then you know, you can uh, tune in to um, CNN this morning uh, and, and find out tomorrow morning. I hope that everyone watches Frank because it really is a place where we want all voices at the table. We want people to, we want to start the conversation before we start the show. And when the lights and the cameras come on at 6 a.m., we want you to feel that you have just joined the conversation that we have been having and that's continuing, that you are a part of and we want you to be a part of. So come have a cup of coffee with us, your eggs and bacon or your fruit or whatever it is that you do in the morning and give us a try. And I think you're going to like what you see and you're going to like being a part of it. Don Lemon, thank you very much for being here. Frank, it's good to talk to you. Thank you so much, buddy. CNN This Morning is upon us. <clears throat> You'll be able to start seeing it tomorrow. Uh, Don Lemon, Poppy Hollow, and Caitlin Collins. Uh, she's the, the kid of the bunch, right? And it's, I say that respectfully. She's the... the um, Youngster, and, and I know I can say that because they were they put out a trailer, a little trailer, and they were uh, they were talking about um, in 2006 she was in eighth grade, right? And <laughs> she was in eighth grade in 2006, and, and I was in eighth grade. Let me see, in 1980. How about that? So uh, 
Don Lemon is is hosting a show with somebody who was in eighth grade in 2006. Is that how is that possible? Is that part? Yeah, right. She's a young person, and and uh, she's you know certainly making a name for herself, and it's a big break for uh, for for Caitlin Collins. Uh, you know, and and you know we'll see what we're gonna see what their their chemistry is like. Uh, Don Lemon, I didn't get into anything controversial. Right, uh, you know, trying to stay very positive, um, but this is, you know, this is the move CNN made after the situation with the um, with the Queens, and and I don't know the the exact title um, that the individual had, but he um, uh, Don Lemon had questioned the um, the Queens representative on uh, on reparations, on slave reparations, and and, and she uh, she came back. And um, and uh, and and her mind set the record straight, and um, uh, you know gave uh, gave kind of a history lesson. So it was uh, it, you know it was a controversial uh, moment, and um, and again, listen, I, you know everybody's everybody's going to have them, and and you know quite frankly, you know some people are, you know just playing devil's advocate. Some people are going to say, you know, you got a big staff. Over there, uh, of people, I mean, uh, it, you know, they, there's plenty of people that could that could research um, the, the subject that you brought up beforehand, and and you know, make sure that you're prepared for what's uh, what's coming up. But uh, anyway, it's you know, again, you know, we're not we're not debating it here. He's celebrating a new show, and um, look, if you if you going coming from the right. You're not going to watch CNN. If you're coming from the left, you're not going to watch Fox or you're not going to watch Newsmax. But nevertheless, uh, folks that are uh, that that are watching CNN are going to uh, be tuning into the CNN this morning. Don Lemon, Poppy Hollow, and Caitlin Collins are the the uh, the three three-headed um, uh, hosts of uh, of the show. And uh, you know, something tells me it's. Uh, it's you know there's a lot of talent there. There's no question. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, something tells me it, it, it's going to do well, and that the the viewers of CNN are going to love them. And um, uh, it, kudos uh, to Don Lemon. Thirty years, ups and downs, and um, not without controversy. But he's um, he survived. You know, you can't give credit where credit is due. Survived and uh, uh, listen. We'll we'll see what happens. But CBS this morning is upon us. And uh, don't don't be shocked if you see it for a very long time. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Don Lemon has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone. To breaking it down, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, 
Lene Quigley is our very special guest. She's the queen of the bees, and you know her from Night of the Demons and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and probably about 70 other movies. I love Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama, and I have one of these books. It's uh, I'm screaming as fast as I can, and it's great. Uh, Bio oh, wow. and Chainsaw is her other, and these are muscats. Uh, how are you? I'm doing really good because... It's like the favorite month for me, which is October because of Halloween. Yeah, well, no doubt. And one of the things that's not so great is is everything stopped. So there's no chiller. There's no Comic-Cons. There's no uh, any of these Scream Fest and and all of these things where you, uh, I I imagine uh, everybody's waiting in lines to see you at these different places. And they're really not getting a chance to do that this year. Not really. I was in Vegas and Phoenix recently where, you know, you have to wear the mask and there's the plexiglass and everything. And people were so glad just to get out and do something normal. What, was it well attended, either one of those events? It was It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought, oh, you know, like a couple people will come. But it was steady, not like it would have been with you know, if we didn't have COVID and everything, but it was, it was good. You, you know, I just drove through, I just drove from New York to Wyoming and then Wyoming through uh, to, I'm now I'm in Pennsylvania and I'm, I'm kind of here doing this, but I, I drove right through Davenport, Iowa. And I, no. I, I yeah, I'm, I might be misremembering that, but it shouldn't they have a statue of you there? Isn't this where you came from? Maybe they're ashamed. I don't know. I <laughs> I should have a statue. You should have a statue. Your your high school is there a wall? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, who else is from Davenport, Iowa? I mean, you're uh, perfect. And, and by the way, it's a nice little little town, little city, whatever. But uh, you, you're they should have a statue of there. I mean, of you there. This is uh, this is crazy. You put together one hell of a career. I mean, really, no kidding. You put together really? some career. Thank you. Yeah. It just seems like it happened, like, you know, like like a brush fire. It's just like, boom, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I, you got to be, you got to look back and you got to be very proud of what you've done. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of fans. And I, I can't imagine you wrote it out and planned it exactly like this. If you don't mind, give us a little bit of your history and, and you know, kind of start from where, where this all started. What was your first film? Oh, my gosh. Um do you want my first film? Well, my first film where I had dialogue, because I did extra work for a while, yeah. was probably, oh, God. I would say Fairy Tales, oh. which was with Charlie Band before he became all these other companies and did Puppet Master and all that. So that was, I had hardly any dialogue but to me it was like a big thing it was like really scary and 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 very serious i took it very serious well i mean and uh, then you know think of what's happened since what did you say what was the last i said i did modeling and things like that you know and i did a lot of like movies that were going to be made but they sold it on like the poster concept, like they would get these girls and they would dress up. They weren't in the movie, but they, it made it look cool because people would go to the VHS stores and 
you know, go, oh, this is a cool cover. I'm going to rent this. So that's how they did things. So I got money doing that, too. Yeah, just really terrific. I really put together a career. And, and again, you know, people people minimize pop culture, but not anymore. It's it's really taken shape and, and is well yeah. respected. I mean, it's I, when did you start seeing that happen? When did when did you start feeling like uh, that that this craft, this uh, this aspect of life, pop culture, it. it Obviously, it's so important to so many people. You see with the Star Trek and Star Wars, and but the the yeah. horror uh, genre is is well respected. And there's when did you start seeing that happen? Oh, that was a while, like probably only six years ago. Because you were so right; they looked down on horror and B movies, and you know would say things like, "Oh, are you going to do a real movie?" You know, it just yeah. it, they didn't want to accept that. So. I think this is my concept. I think The Walking Dead helped bring it into mainstream. Ah. Oh wow! I, you know, I never even thought of that. That's absolutely right on. There's, it's right on. I, I, you know, I was. I hope I'm. I'm hoping a little earlier than that. But yeah, Walking Dead did a lot for the yeah. horror genre. Yeah, because they didn't have anything gritty and a drama-like thing that would get a lot of people interested like that were mainstream but it seemed like that kind of kicked it in has anybody contacted you from e either walking dead or these type of uh films to say hey you know like kind of just get in touch with the the genre and the, and you know the heads that are out there i mean the the genre the uh horror heads and the uh, scream uh, uh queen uh, appreciatados or whatever i you know has anybody contacted you from the walking dead i think uh, you know now it's fear of the walking dead but anybody from that franchise no, and I wish they would because I do know Greg Nicotero. He used to do makeups on me, you know, for different movies. Yeah. And, but I don't know. I would love to have that answer, you know, that question answered because I would love to be on it. Yeah, I think it would be a very hip thing for them to do, uh, you know, to just get you involved in it, just kind of tie everything that you've done over the years. Which, by the way, and when I say this, I mean, I say this with the greatest respect. I, I mean, you've put together a career, and, and it's not just you. There's there's others like you, but you can count them on, on two hands, you know, Robert England and uh, and, yeah. and uh, Kane uh, Hodder. Uh, and you, yeah. but, but you're the queen of the bees, and I mean, you absolutely... I, I'm, I'm telling you, you absolutely have to wear that, uh, wear that proud. But this, I, you you can count them on both hands who are in this category and who are as uh, iconic as you are with this. I, it, are you are you happy with how everything worked out? Are you uh, you got to be yeah, proud? I am. I'm very proud of how it worked out, and it wasn't easy or anything. You know, because a lot of times you just don't want that rejection and rejection and rejection, but. I think it got me to a point where I was able to do a bit more with my characters and with, you know, PR and stuff like that. I learned a lot, Yeah. you know, so that I could go on and produce, direct, um, do a lot of jobs on the set. 
Yeah, well, you know the business, that's for sure, and you know it from the from the bottom up. Well, listen, congratulations on what's a, just an incredible career. Thank you for being here. Uh, big time of year for you, I know, and I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. But if you can, give us a website or a social media site, or, or tell us anything uh, that you have coming up that uh, we should know about. Oh, my God, a lot. Um, my um, Facebook is the official Linnea Quigley Facebook, and a much... A lot of information is on that, but I have a movie on Monday that I do wh- where it's like about dinosaurs and things. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then on the 14th of November, I'm doing something where I'm not sure what it is, but <laughs> I guess I'm wearing fangs in it, I found out. Listen, that's all you need to know. Right, here's the camera, yeah. and here are your fangs. Uh, here you go, and you can take it from there. That's well, that's showing you respect. They they know you know what to do, and they uh, whatever. Linnea, listen I, once again, thrilled to have you. I was absolutely uh, dying to talk to you for a long time, and finally we we get that opportunity. And uh, listen, enjoy your Halloween, and enjoy the the work coming up. Uh, you're the best, Linnea. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, and let's petition to get that statue and The Walking Dead going. <laughs> I'm starting it right now. That statue in Davenport, Iowa is a must. Thank you, Linnea. Okay, thank you. Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley, everyone. Uh, Queen of the Bees. And and again, Night of the Demons, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, uh, Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball, Ball Arama, and and two books to her credit. A bio and chainsaw, and the one I got is I'm screaming as fast as I can. Somebody gave it to me, and I read it. It's, it's fascinating, I, and and again, I I mean it, it with the genre, with the horror genre. It's uh, uh it, you know, it's got its own uh, following, obviously, but I mean, it's got its own charm. And she's right, Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. That's what has has bring brought it to uh, the forefront, and maybe it's it's going to give it a tremendous amount more. Um, uh, credibility. I, I hope so because a lot goes into it, and there's there's a, there's a lot of thought. And yeah, they're quick and they're made without money. But I mean, there's a there's a skill in that all its own, and and a talent all its own. So one one thing to do something with a lot of a uh, lot of budget or a big budget, and it's the other thing uh, to do like so many of these folks do get get a script, get it, and and usually there's camp involved. It's campy. And they have uh, like silly little jokes and whatever, but that's part of the charm that that goes with it. You're not trying to win an Oscar when you do these B movies. You're trying to entertain folks, and you're trying to uh, you're trying to get something that that is is going to catch on and and last for years and years. Uh, I mean, think of Night of the Living Dead, and you know what that would look like to Orson Welles or. Uh, or, you know, William Wilde, you know, somebody who does, you know, real f- uh, serious film. And, you know, all of a sudden, the, the Night of the Living Dead comes and, and somebody shoots it. George Romero shoots it. And I think Long Island got a lot of that. And, uh, you know, some some uh, some of the footage from Long Island and uh, some other spots. But uh, really just a... Um, uh, a, a, a genre that should be appreciated, and it's the horror genre, and when better to talk about it than during Halloween week, and Linnea Quigley has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time at 
breaking it down. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Rachel Chris Doan is our very special guest, and she is the education director of the Salem Witch Museum. And uh, what uh, better time of year to talk to uh, Rachel than, uh, than now, I'm sure. It's, uh, it's uh, like her Super Bowl week uh, for, uh, for everything. Uh, so much uh, goes on and so much information and misinformation about the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, they, they put up the Salem Witch Trial Memorial. And so we're celebrating that as, long, uh, as well as uh, uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of uh, of the Witch Museum, Salem Witch Museum. Rachel, how are you? I'm well. I'm looking forward to November. <laughs> yeah, I, I could just imagine. Uh, yeah, it does get crazy. It's like the Super Bowl week for you, I would imagine. Honestly, the month, it's it started even before October this year. This has been the busiest year we have ever had here in Salem. Uh, so we're all a little exhausted getting to the finish line. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that you get, you get some serious... Um, uh, you know, researchers, people that are that are just uh, serious uh, historians, but then you get some folks that are practitioners. All right, I imagine there's folks that are that are in covens and they want to uh, they want to come and they they see it as maybe a sacred spot um, up there uh, or or what have you. Uh, what's the biggest misconception that that we the public have about uh, about the Salem witch trials and Salem in general? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions about the history of witchcraft kind of generally. Uh, It's kind of a hard topic for us to get our minds around in the modern day, and it's not talked about, you know, as kind of common core in school, so it's kind of naturally rife with misconceptions. Certainly one of the biggest is the idea that witches were burned at the stake here in Salem. That is not true. Um, Witches were executed, or I should say those accused of witchcraft who are innocent people, uh, were executed by hanging in England in the English colonies, though individuals convicted of witchcraft were burned in other places in Europe and um, so forth. So that's kind of the biggest misconception we hear all the time. But but not in Salem? Nope, not here in Salem. Uh, what what was the uh, what was the uh, method of, of torture, uh, if anything, uh, of getting rid of a um, alleged witch in Salem? So um, England treated uh, those convicted of witchcraft as they would any other felon, and they were executed by hanging. Yeah. And what about, oh, oh, so Salem was, uh, folks that were accused of being witches in Salem fell under, in the 1600s, uh, of course, fell under the the British uh, laws and so forth. How many of them were uh, hung? So in Salem, 19 people are hanged, one man is actually tortured to death, and five people die in prison. So we tend to say that the death toll is at least 25 people. Yeah, I mean, which is, uh, 
which is uh, unbelievable. If it's still unbelievable if you think about it, but the uh, the burn at the stake, I, that's that's from years and years of uh, everything from cartoons to uh, to movies to books to to everything. I, what what's the what's the best book or what's the best piece of information that you could point to that's um, either promoted by the museum or or approved by you that you think we could we could have that would clarify any errors that we've heard well there's a lot of really excellent books written about the salem witch trials uh mary beth norton's book in the devil's snare is one of my favorites she really um changed the way that historians looked at the trials uh this is a time in the scholarship of the trials when people are really starting to think about all the external factors that led to what happened in 1692 People often want this kind of easy, simple explanation. You know, they were just, they ate something bad and were hallucinating, and that's why the trials happened. And the truth of the matter is it's a very complicated situation of years of tension and fear and stress that are building, 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 and then all boil over into this mass scapegoating that happens in 1692. Um, And that's a really excellent book that really kind of clarifies that. Uh, Rachel, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, that I'm assuming, and I was just assuming that you have uh, this mixture of uh, historians and uh, uh, and and then folks from Covens and everything else. I, I I didn't give you an opportunity to comment on that. Uh, what is the population of the the visitors of the? Well, what's the demographic of the uh, of of the visitors to uh, to the Salem um, Witch Museum? Yeah, it's very mixed, uh, but you're very correct in that we have a lot of researchers who come here year-round. That's part of my job. Is I, It's really fun for me. I get to talk to people who are studying various elements of Salem and the witch trials history specifically. Um, we get people who are modern-day witches, practice a witch religion, and they can actually have really emotional experiences being here in Salem because they come from parts of the country where they can't openly express or talk about their religion because they're perceived as you know devil worshippers and things like that, which is absolutely not the case. Uh, And then we also get people who come here because they love pop culture witches, you know, this kind of crossed um, idea of witches uh, that emerges particularly in the 20th and 21st centuries, we have so many different pop culture witches now. Hermione Granger, Hocus Pocus, Sabrina Spellman, you know. Uh, people love this idea of a um, supernaturally powerful person. Um, so, so many people come here just because they love witches and they think that interesting, that history is really interesting and they just don't really know what to expect about the real history, which kind of gives us a unique opportunity to educate, which I think is really special. Let me ask you this, and and going back in history, why Salem, and why did 25 people die in Salem uh, as opposed to uh, other places around the country? Uh, Is uh, is 25 uh, a much bigger number than, uh, because I'm sure witches uh, or supposed witches were burned, uh, not burned, but executed in other places as well, but why so many in Salem? So um, it's kind of a complicated political situation going on. Uh, Basically, the long story short is... Salem or Massachusetts Bay Colony had lost its charter, um, which means their government is kind of, um, it's not operating, uh, you know, firing at all cylinders, if you will. Um, so they've got this very strange um, situation they're in. So in, when these witchcraft accusations start pouring in, um, 
you know, people are just, it's these years of pent up frustrations that are just now spilling out and the usual mechanisms that would be there to stop it, uh, the strict evidence that would usually be demanded, uh, the strict procedures that would usually have to be followed kind of get tossed out the window. And that's why things spiral out of control so quickly. It literally becomes what we would call an actual witch hunt. Um, but witch trials have happened in other places in North America. There's witch trials in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, a witch had been executed in Boston and um, just a few years before the Salem witch trials. So, uh, you know, witchcraft accusations and trials did happen. They just didn't spiral out of control, at least in the English colonies or in England, like we see in Salem. It's this perfect storm. Everything goes wrong exactly right at the same time. And the reason why Salem has remained so known to us today is because it is the largest and deadliest witchcraft trial in North American history. And that really stuck with us in public memory in this country. Uh, Rachel, what, what else should we know before we let you go? And before we let you go, please give us any website or social media site that could be helpful in following you. Well, in terms of visiting Salem, I always recommend people come here in the winter or the spring. Um, it's really nice to be here when there aren't huge crowds of people here. You kind of have uh, your pick of what activities to do, and Salem has an incredibly rich history, even well beyond the Salem witch trials. There's a lot of firsts in our country's history here in Salem, so I always recommend come to Salem, see what we have here, and come in the off-season. It's a little bit more fun. Uh, in terms of learning more, our website is SalemWitchMuseum.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Salem Witch Museum. Uh, Rachel, Chris Doan, uh, keep up the great work, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Rachel, Chris Doan, everyone, has been our very special guest, and uh, she is uh, she is someone uh, uh, who should know a little something about the, uh, the Salem Witch Trial. She's the Director of Education of the Salem Witch Museum. And this is uh, the, the 50th anniversary and the 30th anniversary of Salem uh, Witch Trials Memorial and the 50th anniversary of the Salem Witch Museum. And, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm into history. I'm, uh, you know, very interested in history. And, uh, you know, I imagine the, um, the politicians or the powers that be uh, back in Salem then uh, had, had some very... I'm, you know, I'm assuming some really strict puritanical roots, and they were weeding out the uh, the bad seeds in uh, in their minds there. So, I, again, I I don't you know I, I don't pretend to know an awful lot about it, but I'm going to make some assumptions that these individuals that were uh, that were were hanged uh, is the proper term. I, I said hung before, but hanged um, are. Uh, you know, I, I I assume they didn't fit into a puritanical um, uh, definition of of proper ladies, and uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if there were men also uh, that were uh, that that were hanged, but uh, terrible, you know, just a terrible uh, situation in history. But you know, listen, 25 deaths, if um, it's uh, far far and away too uh, way too many, but the way. Uh, it sounds over the years, I mean, it, it sounds like 2,500 deaths. Um, I don't know what the population of Salem was back then, but 25 is a lot. You know, it's a big number. I mean, 25 people for being for being witches. Uh, it's got to make you believe that crazy people 
were in charge of uh, Salem at that time. Um, terrible people. Frank McKay signing off. Rachel Chris Doan has been our very special guest, and she's the education director of the Salem Witch Museum. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.